0: Welcome back, Tales of Glory listeners. I am your host, Reverend Michael Norton. I got some exciting news. I know we've been on hiatus. It seems like my uh, old uh, (laughs) comeback for every podcast right now, but we've been doing lots of research and something kind of cool is happening now. We have launched another M16 Ministries training series book under the series of Foundation of Spiritual Warfare we are releasing the book cosmology and demonology in genesis 1 through 11. Yep, you heard that right. Cosmology and demonology in Genesis 1 through 11. Gosh, Mike, cosmology isn't about how you learn to become a hairstylist. No, that is cosmetology. Cosmology is about the origins of the universe. There's a scientific aspect and there's a biblical aspect. And gosh, Mike, how does cosmology and demonology all tie back into Genesis 1 through 11? Well, I'm glad you asked that. That's the reason I wrote the book. (laughs) There's some incredible stuff in here. Let me set back the clock. Back to December. I actually went on a small sabbatical. Uh, The counselors I work with and the pastors, they were saying, "Um, we need to go on sabbatical, Uh, Mike. You need to go on one too because you've been the spiritual warfare stuff in the trenches for the past couple of years, and we haven't seen you take any time off from it. And I was like, nah, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm fine. As it turns out, it was something prophetic they were receiving and hearing from God. It was time for me to take some time off from spiritual warfare because there were some battle wounds I didn't expect. And those could be the subject of another fireside chat podcast about what we do. When we're in the trenches for so long. And we have to come out of the battle. Right. Some interesting stuff there. Anyhow. That's not the focus right now. The focus is back to, I took a sabbatical in December, the month of December, just time off. Um, I just maintained one or two um, ritual abuse survivors I was working with for because I needed counseling through December and stuff. They're actually doing fairly well. I've worked with these women for over a decade now, and they're way off in a really good place. But anyhow, back to sabbatical. When I was going to take a sabbatical, it was rather sudden because we were talking about it right after our, our Thanksgiving break. It was like one or two days, right? I'm going, hey, we're gonna take a sabbatical for December. We all decided, okay, sounds good to me. So day one of my sabbatical, I'm thinking, okay, Jesus, um, what do you want to do? And I was feeling, well, I thought I was gonna write some training material, like a class for um, I counsel pastors. A lot of pastors, some have been um, either hurt at the pulpit or you know broken from the pulpit, things like that. But what it came down to when I'm working with these pastors, very good men, a lot of them have MDivs, all this big stuff behind them, they were never really taught depths of spirituality. They were taught, what we say, the academic theology, right? Never taught the depths of spirituality itself or how to pursue it or what's the right way to pursue it. And as we had these discussions, you know me, I always talk about contemplative prayer. I talk about, you know, various different things. And they were always like, Wow. I didn't know this stuff existed. And I turned them on to St. Teresa of and them read it. and We discussed that during our counseling sessions and stuff about how to go deeper in prayer. The other thing it turned up quite a bit too during these counseling sessions where these were pastors who led large churches, but they knew very little about spiritual warfare. They were given information. They read from popular books, popular, you know, ministries that did training and all this stuff. And They knew I did it for real and I was deep in trenches because when you sit with me, you know, I can't help but blurt out the story of the week, right? What happened spiritual warfare? And so I gained credibility with these people and I thought, man, I need to train these guys because they are getting information from pastors who preach at the pulpit and other places who probably seen the supernatural once or twice or a couple of few times on their missionary trips, but they didn't deal with it on a daily basis. And so, they get turned on to it. They come back and they do research and they do research from another popular author. We always go to big named authors who have big churches and mega churches or, you know, like the Bethels and the Chris Valatins for information or we go to, you know, like Rooting Demons for books and, you know, Story of an Exorcist by Father Lamour, stuff like that. And they don't have the complete context and a lot of times I found out now when I'm deep in the, the occult side of it, things didn't make sense to me. It's like, Yeah, I read their stuff, but why are we talking about stuff that seems like mythology and doesn't make sense? What are you talking about, Mike? One of the things that rattled on my conscience and my spirit for a long time was, what's the difference between a low-level demon and a satanic angel if they're both fallen angels? Why do we have these different aspects, different characteristics? And the church over the centuries has built their own doctrine and own mythology about what this is. And we've come to believe the common answer is that demons are fallen angels. And what my research found out is if you're speaking to an MDiv, that it, you know, a Master's of Divinity graduate, their standard answer is, oh, they're fallen angels and they're, they're imprisoned here on the ground. If you talk with a PhD who is well-versed and got their doctorate in reading ancient Near East languages, such as Hebrew and Masoretic Hebrew, they will tell you a different story. And that is what I present in my cosmology and demonology in Genesis 1-11. through 11. And this answer resonated with me, although it was hard to swallow, because I've been taught doctrinally in spiritual warfare what the true answer is, and it's in this book, and I don't want to reveal the contents. And believe it or not, a lot of our spiritual warfare that we need to understand is revealed in Genesis 1-11. through 11. And I'm talking about the big stuff, the stuff that Paul talks about. You know, in Ephesians 6.12, you know, the principalities, the powers, you know, our warfare is not against flesh and blood, but against these um, rulers of darkness. What are these guys? You know, where'd they come from? It's again, it goes back to Genesis 1 through 11. Gosh, Mike, I read Genesis 1 through 11. What are you alluding to? Are you smoking pot? What's going on here? No, it's all there, but we whitewashed it. It is there. I mean, it's literally there. Go look at your ESV Bible. And stuff. That's what I go through. I went through the ESV Bible. I didn't pull the world over your head. Like, hey, this is some new doctrinal stuff. Mike starting a cult. No. This is stuff that's literally in the Bible that we glazed over and we built our own mythology out of what we believe the texts were saying. And what I did is I went back and researched what did the early church Christians, what did Paul believe? What did John believe? What did the author of Jude believe? All right. And that's what's covered here. And I wanted to present it back because we're doing some stuff in spiritual warfare that's getting us in danger because we don't have the correct understanding of what's really happening. And that's what I wanted to start presenting in my training series of what's really going on and what we need to turn the rudder on the spiritual warfare super tanker, which can be slow turns because this stuff's not going to be accepted right away, but it is the factual truth. Like I said, it's it's been there. It's showing up in the Dead Sea Scrolls, it's showing up everywhere, and it's it's in the ESV, it's in the RSV, the NAT, you know, it's it's in our Bibles. We wrote it there. And we weren't versed in the modern day what, what the colloquial terms were, what were the um, you know, idioms, what were the slangs of the day, and that stuff also came into play too. We were we were looking at it in Genesis one through eleven, and this is how the spiritual warfare stuff came up because our cultural context is out of sync if we were to determine what was going on spiritual warfare with what, you know, what was Abraham dealing with? What was, you know, Adam and Eve dealing with? What happened in the garden? Things of that nature. So that's what I present here in your Cosmology and Demonology in Genesis 1 through 11. This is actually a great Bible study. If you guys are reading through the Bible and you're starting with Genesis 1, pick up this book because I literally go through Genesis one through 11 um, and most of the verses are pertinent. I couldn't go through all of them, but what leapt out spiritual warfare wise and what the context is, I could literally go back and write volumes, volumes on this stuff. However, I noticed that, you know, when I write 250 page books, a lot of people don't get through them all. They just jump to the parts they need. So this is only a hundred page book. That's compact. It's compiled, you know, it's, it's logically compiled down to 117 pages, I think. And I put it in 12-point print because I have a hard time reading small print. I just had a hard time. Like, I was researching these books. I am still reading some of the books I collected as I did research for this because the books were like 200 pages, 11-point, 10-point print. And there's great information out of them. But I thought, I wanted to get something in your guys' hands that got you jump-started. It was like a a place to dive off of. Like once the light bulb went on and I presented material, and go and read, I read a lot of dissertations to do this, to back up the findings. So again, this was a PhD peer-reviewed level, nothing new. This is the stuff that's been around forever. If you're getting a PhD and studying Near East Ancient Hebrew and trying to study what the um, ancient church believed, this is what they believed and it differs greatly. Let's take a look at something. Let's just, you know, I don't want to give away because I, Everything that's here, but let's take a look at something here. I'm going to take a look at the book of Jude. Let's see. There's some interesting stuff here. And um, not in the doxology, not in here. Let's start here. This is is where I want to um, start off with. I'm in Jude, book of Jude. Let's start with verse five. Now, I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until a judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued a natural desire, served as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Did you get that? When we read Exodus, do you ever put Jesus in that frame? No, we don't. We put Yahweh, and Jesus is this this guy. This is how the Western church thinks. And Jesus is just this guy that showed up incarnate um, in the book of Matthew. We need to start wrapping our mind around the ancient church. What they believed was Yahweh is Jesus, and Jesus is Yahweh, but they're different, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So it was Jesus, according to the book of Jude, the author Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved people out of the land of Egypt and afterwards destroyed those who did not believe. It was Jesus. We got to start mapping our mind back to Jesus from Genesis to Revelation 22. It's the full context. And that's, where is it, Mike? It is. It's in there in Genesis 1 through 11. I didn't take anything out of context. We looked at some things. Now there's something interesting Jude pointed out. Where is it here? And the angels who did not stay with their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the great day of judgment. Who's in chains? Not Satan. Satan's still running around. What happened? Satan did some horrible stuff to us. Satan sent horrible stuff to us. He was the um, instigator of the fall in Genesis three. Why isn't he in chains? Who is this? Who are we talking about here in Jude 8? Interesting. You'll find out because something happened in Genesis 1 through 11 that angels were put into chains. What did they do? And a little teaser, it was highlighted here. And they're, they're there till the day of judgment, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Where else was there sexual immorality? It's linking these angels to Sodom and Gomorrah that there was sexual immorality. Likewise, what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah happened with these angels, so God put them in eternal chains, in darkness. Wow. Where is this stuff? Several times we see Peter allude to it, Paul alludes to it, I want you to hear the, the language, the vocabulary here, and the angels do not stay with their position of authority. Does that sound like Ephesians six twelve wording? Angels of authority, majesties. Hmm. Do you understand Ephesians six twelve? Where did that come from? What's Paul talking about? What was his framework of mind? What was his context culturally? What was he pointing back to? He's pointing back something that happened between Genesis one through eleven. Gosh, we didn't hear that at the pulpit, Mike. You know, heresy. No, no, quit throwing your cabbage. Don't put me in the stockade yet. That's all this book is about. I encourage you guys to pick this up. It's a great book, not because I wrote it, it's because I think it's well researched to be the platform to launch Bible studies. And especially if you're into spiritual warfare, you better understand this stuff and where you stand. Because right now, we're stepping out of spiritual authority and we're doing horrible things. Let me read something else from Jude that I allude back to in this book. Let's go to Jude 8. Yet, like in manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, blasphemy the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand indistinctively. This is called Reviling Angels, and it's covered in this book, um, Cosmology and Demonology in Genesis 1-11. through I have a section in the back, um, one of the last chapters, Angelology and Demonology, that re- goes back to what was Jude alluding to, Reviling Angels. Something happened recently in my area where there was a very popular pastor. Awesome guy. I love him to death. Love him to death. I don't want to knock him. I was thinking about putting the video up, but I think that would be um, not in good taste here. I know I put videos up by other people, that like things look funny or crazy, but I didn't know if this would be illustrative or it would be condescending to the guy. So I chose not to put the video up, but I'm going to speak about what happened because again, he's a great guy, but he... Presented a video on Facebook that had him reviling angels, and I tried to reach out to him, and he didn't respond. Um, it's just you know, we're it's like when a Navy SEAL reaches out to you about don't do something in battle. This isn't a good idea, and usually a general higher up. We always go to generals in the charismatic. He's a general, uh, okay, in a charismatic world he's a general, okay, that's fine. But a Navy SEAL reaches out and goes, don't do that. The enemy's going to take a shot and take you out. They don't listen to the Navy SEALs. We're just because we're, Well, who are you? You don't have a huge following. You're like, no, I don't. I don't care to have a huge following. My job is to guard the gates. That's all I do, man. I'm a sheepdog. Um, there's different type of pastors. I'm a sheepdog. I go after the wolves. And so if a sheepdog tells you, now there's a wolf over there, don't do that. You ignore it, they ignore it. And they'll go to the point of reviling angels. So what happened? Let me start with the story of this pastor. Awesome guy. He had a situation where he had a heart attack and he literally died literally died i think he died twice on the operating table and came back and he had he had an encounter with death the spirit of death some people know i'm talking about because if you're my area where i live it's it's i mean i'm not going to knock the guy his testimony is incredible and so when you come out of this thing you have an awakening Similar happened to me when i was you know this i had an awakening where you want to find out every piece of information possible about what happened you're it's, it's a thirst. It's a hunger. You have to get answers. You have to get answers because we're human beings. What the heck was this about? What did I experience? Because I haven't seen it in the Bible yet. Uh, yet, right? And after you, you grow mature, you'll start seeing the pieces of the Bible. Oh my God, it's in there. There it is. So when this individual came back, he built a powerful momentum in his church and spiritual warfare, which was great. And, you know, he's doing the right thing. He's, he, I mean, by example, he's leading his people. However, in spiritual warfare, we ride a bicycle and we're learning to ride a bicycle and we fall off our bike. I saw a situation where he fell off his bike and what it was, was after he came back and the enemy, he's right, the enemy tried to kill him. When your lifespans cut short, it's the enemy that does it. It's not God. You know, I've been to a funeral the other day where I go, God, why'd you take my husband? I was like, you know, God didn't. The enemy did. When your life's cut short, the enemy did it. So this guy knew it was the enemy that tried to kill him. However, he went into a sermon where he started reviling angels. Satan, you can't kill me. You can't come against my prayers. You, My wife, you can't come against my wife. She will pray you away. You can't stop us, blah, blah, blah. That's when you're stepping into the water of reviling angels, and it's extremely dangerous because we are created lesser than angels. What? What do you say, Mike? I'm an intercessor. I'm in the heavenly courts, heavenly realms. Um, You better get a hold of this book. <laughs> We're created lesser than angels. That's what they said in Hebrews 12 about Jesus, right? When Jesus became man incarnate, he was created lesser than angel. We are lesser than angel. And the information comes back to Genesis one twenty six. so where that is, and it's in this book. We're created lesser than angels. And even the angels, what we saw with Jude 8, when Satan and the archangel Michael are arguing, the archangel, God, one of God's highest um, spiritual divine beings, dared not you know, revile Satan by calling him names. He said, he said, the Lord rebuke you. And that's what we're supposed to do. And we have to understand this because if we do like this pastor did, you know, you can't stop me. You can't stop my wife from praying. He just started a bar fight in a mafia spaghetti house, right? We're at the Italian restaurant. We walk in. You know, Satan's the mafia leader, the big, heavy, fat guy sweating, having a spaghetti, and we're walking to his face going, you can't stop me. Who's going to stop you? And then all his thugs get up with machine guns and take you out. So you're starting a bar fight in a mafia Italian eatery, right? That's what reviling angels is. We got to be careful. What do we do in a situation? Yeah, I know you're angry. God tried to, I mean, God, excuse me, Satan tried to kill you. We're, we're angry about that, but we can't revile him. We have to... Go to God and give God. The enemy tried to take me out. I knew it was him. I'm bitter. I'm angry, but Lord rebuke him. Lord rebuke the enemy for what he did. Lord rebuke him. That's how we approach it. I had a situation about 10 years ago where um, my wife's brother and my, my best friend had cancer. And we were in the last minute throws a battle with him, practically the point of dead raising. And my first stop was at a church saying, God, I've never done dead raising before. I know I'm going to encounter death. I don't want to revile angels. And Lord, forgive me if I cross that line tonight because I've never done this before. And please help me and please be with me. And we did. So I went off there and like, sure enough, we were in battle of spirits of death. It was interesting watching the room go different shades of dark and then light again, just light and dark again. And then when Jesus you know, finally came in and shut me down in the battle, it, it got light and you felt the, the presence of Jesus and You know, my friend decided to go home with Jesus, which was cool. That's what stopped the battle. Jesus asked the person, what did you want to do? And he wanted to go home. So he went home with Jesus. So it's just, we have to be careful in these battles. Yeah, we're in battle, but, and we're angry and we have to harness our emotions and follow protocol. And where do we learn this stuff? I know some time back, I bring this up too, in the charismatic circles, Katie Souza was telling her, People to go sharpen your irons in the second heaven. We're not supposed to be in the heavenly realms. I mean, even John Paul Jackson said it. We are to stay out in his book, Unnecessary Casualties of War. And I I, I cite that in this book too, what we're doing. So again, if you're in spiritual warfare, this information is a must-have. I'm going to write more of these as I go through because this was a fun project, but it it took away from my podcast and stuff. I'm going to have to figure out a way to time slice my time better. But there was a lot of work to do. I encourage you to pick this book up. I'm thinking about putting a, a Bible study book out with this one, just so it, it works great for Bible studies, too, and anybody else wants to learn stuff. Anyhow, um, like I said, it's, it's a good book. It's short. You can read this in two hours. I know this because I'm working with my dad who has some medical issues, and I've proofed it several times while taking him to the hospital, waiting for surgeries on him. So I know it could be read completely in two hours. I did this on purpose because I know after I read the Field Guide Spiritual Warfare, even I was proofing it like, oh, my God, this is long. So I'm going to try to keep these books short and something you read an hour or two hours. And I was reading these theology books like from Dr. Michael Heiser. It took me a month to read, you know? It's like, okay, I, I don't want to do this to you guys. I want you guys to have the information in your hands. Um, it also came out in hardback too. It's a great reference. Keep this book as a reference for spiritual warfare. Um, yeah, it's just do me a favor, pick it up. And if you um, I love you guys immensely, I'm not here to sell millions of books. Probably won't be on a New York bestseller list, but when you read it, you go, oh my gosh, this is an eye-opener. You know, where was this? you're a pastor, you're preaching Genesis 1 through 11, get this book. It's important, um, and I give you resources to go look up afterwards, too, and good books to read on this. Amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. I, I loved writing it. it was, this stuff's my passion. Digging into this, like I said, I'm, I'm still reading Hebrew, and getting to learn the idioms of Hebrew and stuff like that while I'm doing this research, it's been a fun project. I think I think you'll love this. So I hope this covers pretty good for this podcast. I'm going to keep it short. This announcement, I really owe you guys um, St. Teresa of Avila. And some more spiritual warfare stuff, I will do that. And maybe as book sells and questions come up, I'll address more information out of this book as well. Anyhow, like I said, we're, we're crowdfunded here, man. We're just, it's, if I do my research I'm at home, I need time and um, funding too to do that, but also still do my counseling. So we're just a basic small ministry. And again, if you're doing a small ministry too, I want to I preach to you guys right now. We're in a cultural church society of mega churches, mega ministries. We're not to be a mega church a mega ministry. I'm a small ministry. I have a few people I disseminate information to, i in contact with, I equip. That's fine by me. That's where I'm supposed to be. Sometimes times get tough. I got to bounce in and out and get a second job or something to make ends meet, to keep this going. That's fine. That's what I'll do. So if you're a small minister in a small ministry and that happens to you, that's just the common thread. It is what it is. And, it gets frustrating So I want to tell you guys don't get disgruntled. I've been around since what two thousand six, two thousand seven, doing spiritual warfare ministry. You know, it is what it is. It, things haven't changed. If your passion's here, God may have. Didn't you tell you you know a job to make ends meet or something like that? It's it's it is what it is, and you may not be assigned to a church, and there's a reason for that. God needs us like I'd say it. God needs like cells, right? <laughs> the terror cells. Um, we don't know where the other ones are at, but we know how to reach them in emergencies, and we know how to connect. We know how to, we know you know how to interlock, how to do things like this. Best thing you can do as a small ministry is connect with other ministries. You know, connect with me, connect with others. Who are you? What are you? In what area? Um, this is like I said. I don't do much training with satanic ritual abuse because it's difficult because they don't want other people in the room with them, and they have a hard time trusting people. You know, but I will be more than happy to help you if you're working with somebody on satanic ritual abuse and how to work with them. I can usually work the other way that I can come help you guys. Anyhow, love you guys. And I hope this information is great. Um, please help me buy the book. It helps me produce other material. I know I still, you know what? My opus is St. Teresa of Avila. I have a field guide to mystical theology that's even got edited and was done. And I didn't like it. So I've got to get this thing together again and what it looks like. And i like to get that book out next, but we'll see wherever Jesus moves me. Anyhow, that is how I spent my sabbatical. I put this book together. Actually, it took longer than 30 days because I laid it out myself. You know, I do all my own work myself. I out the cover myself, you know, and just took time. God bless you guys. I love you. Have a great one. Until next time, God bless. M16 Ministries Bunker, we'll see you next time. And I got to see my phone keeps... (laughs) Somebody's texting me. Stop it. Not while broadcast. Start now. We're recording now, guys. Have a heart. Anyhow, God bless you guys. And until next time. Amen.